BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome into the latest episode of the Five on the Floor podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick here with Alex Toledo. You can follow us at Five Reasons Sports. Of course, that's the number five. We're on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Before we get to today's episode, after the Heat's win against the Atlanta Hawks, beat the Atlanta Hawks 112 to 97. We're coming to you from the arena. I want to tell you about one of the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. And of course, that is AutoNation. If you're looking to buy or sell a vehicle, AutoNation is where you want to go. They're the largest auto retailer from coast to coast, and their friendly and knowledgeable staff here in South Florida will help you save big on a huge selection of new cars, trucks, and SUVs, Toyota, Honda, Chevrolet, Mercedes-Benz, and much, much more. And if you're looking to buy pre-owned, shop AutoNation's huge selection of one-price pre-owned vehicles, all clearly marked with one price, their lowest price guaranteed. Want to get rid of that old car? Turn it into cash today, get a top dollar offer, and a check the very same day. As your check engine light on, you'll get the services you need at low AutoNation prices. And here's the biggest thing. You need to DM me at 5 Reason Sports. That's the number five Reason Sports. I'll give an AutoNation senior manager your information so they'll reach out to you to work directly with you on the entire buying process. So don't just deal with a salesperson in the store. Reach out to me at 5 Reason Sports. They will walk you through the entire process. And now, on with today's episode. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alphonse Sydney, a.k.a. ALF954. Brought to you by the Five Reason Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick coming back to you here with Alex Toledo. You can follow him at Tropical Blanket. Obviously, check out 5 Alphonse Sydney posted a story after tonight's game, a 112-97 win for the Miami Heat over the Atlanta Hawks, pulling their record up to 3-1 and one after the loss in Minnesota. They rebound. And, of course, Alex, the story today, Jimmy Butler was back. And, you know, it was like he hadn't really left. He ends up with 21 points tonight on 11 field goal attempts, 10 of 15 from the line. Free throws were a big deal for the Heat tonight. They ended up with 45 free throw attempts. That's the third time now in four games they've gone over 30 attempts. He had a couple of assists, four turnovers, three steals. Good all-around game, 12 points in the first quarter, and then kind of didn't force the action after that. 
biggest takeaway I got from Jimmy today was he just looked so damn happy. I mean, after the game, smiling and everything else. Part of that is the new new baby daughter. The other thing you took away was he was playing country music after the game. But your overall thoughts on Jimmy Butler's debut, regular season debut with the Miami Heat. See, I love what we saw, and we talked about it before, but uh, like he took advantage every time that he had a subpar defender on him, like Cam Reddish, right? Cam Reddish, uh, he projects as somebody who has defensive upside, but he's not there yet, not even there to the level that DeAndre Hunter's at right now. But when either of them were matched up on him, he was taking them both to the paint, and he was taking advantage every time. The fact that he ended up with four more free throw attempts and field goal attempts tells you about his aggression. Most of that came on you know, early in the first quarter, but and he kind of just let the game come to him. I don't think he was forcing the issue. He was never dribbling, dribbling, pounding the ball. Uh, he was acting as a sort of secondary, tertiary playmaker. He wasn't acting as a point forward. That was Justice's role. Uh, unfortunately, Justice didn't do as great tonight, went one of seven and had more turnovers and assists. But I do love what we saw out of Jimmy. And the fact that they got, you know, 41 free throw attempts between three guys, right? They're now number two in the league in free throws attempted. I think that's going to be something that's going to be huge for their offense. And I think Jimmy's going to be a huge part of that. Yeah, Jimmy didn't force the three ball today either. He only took two attempts, and that's something that sometimes he can do uh, a little bit when he's out of sorts offensively. But like you said, it was really more about attacking matchups. Atlanta was outmanned tonight. We, we haven't really gotten to it yet, but Trey Young, who was the NBA's player of the week, uh, came in averaging over 35 points a game, sprained his ankle early in the first half, only played 11 minutes, had five points, and that changed the game. So I don't want to over – Sort of, I don't want to sort of oversell what the Heat did tonight against a team that without Trey Young didn't have a playmaker. They were relying on 40-year-old Vince Carter to create a lot of their plays. He did a pretty good job, but Cam Reddish really struggled. He was 2 of 10 and a minus 17 in this game. So I don't want to make too much of it, but I think you like what Jimmy did today, which is pretty much he had a Jimmy Butler game. Like, played 31 minutes, didn't have to play the high, high minutes. In fact, I thought he wasn't even going to come back into the game late because, you know, when they got off, I think they were up by 17 at one point, and then it got cut back to 12, so they put him in. You mentioned one thing with Justice Winslow, though. There is this zero-sum game that's going on on Twitter where it's like six guys going to have a really good game, but everybody picks on the two guys who don't. Um, and Justice today was one of seven, and that's three straight games he hasn't shot the ball particularly well. Two points. He was a plus 10. Um, he ended up with six rebounds and three assists. You've had a concern, though, about not the Jimmy Justice off-court dynamic. That seems to be great, but the Jimmy Justice on-court dynamic. Yeah, so this is something that we talked about before in previous pods. I also mentioned it on the pregame 305 live show that we did today before the game. And it's been on the back of my mind concerning me that Justice is somebody who in the past has kind of deferred to others, uh, has had trouble staying consistent on offense, is still having trouble staying consistent on offense. He's had He's been very up and down since the season started on that end. And, like, for example, I said it before the show that I could totally see him taking anywhere between seven and nine shots a game with Jimmy back, at least for the first few games. And if those shots aren't going down, it's going to look rough. And it did tonight. He took exactly seven shots. Uh, he, had, Like I said earlier, he had more turnovers and assists. And I think that's going to be something that takes a lot of time to work through because it's not a natural pairing, I think, right away. I don't think Justice hasn't played with somebody like Jimmy since Wade, but that was when Justice was still, you know, just a 3 and D role player as a rookie. And now he's a starting point guard for a team. I think this is something that's going to take a little bit of time to smooth over. But in the meantime, They've got so many guys contributing on both ends that it doesn't even matter. Yeah, and there's so many playmakers. And, and asking Jimmy about that after the game, I asked him, you know, have you ever played with this many? He's like, well, everybody can dribble. And I understand that. 
But he played on a team in Chicago where it was like him or Derrick Rose, right? Like Derrick was going to handle the ball. You're forgetting the team with uh, with Rondo and Wade. Well, right, the team with Rondo and Wade that didn't work out so well, right? That's hey, diff- man, different man. kinds of playmakers. They almost upset Boston. Yeah, well, if Rondo didn't get hurt when they were up to nothing. But I mean, in Minnesota though, I mean Jeff Teague is not that ball dominant for a point guard, and the you know Tyus Young, excuse me, Tyus Jones came off the bench. But th- this team has more sort of interchangeable ball handlers, and tonight. You know, they had five guys basically play 30 minutes and, you know, in the perimeter spots. And I think that's going to happen a lot with Butler, Nunn, Winslow, Dragic, and Hero. I don't think there's any room for Goran Drag- for uh, excuse me, for Dion Waiters when you talk about that. And we'll get to Dion uh, later. Let's get to number two, though. I mean, Jimmy Butler didn't lead the team in scoring. He had 21, you know, as did Dragic off the bench. And we're kind of taking that for granted with Goran at this point. But the leading scorer was Tyler Hero. And this is he told Will Manso after the game that this was the first time he'd come off the bench at any level. When I talked to Tyler before the game, around 5.15 when he was shooting around, uh, he thought he'd have a good game because he had a new haircut, which gets Jimmy Butler off his back. But he was what we saw in the preseason tonight. Like, and I thought the first three games, he was kind of feeling his way. Today, they were letting him come off those screens. And there were a couple times when his feet are set, particularly in transition, it's in. Like, there's no question about that. When he can spot up, and he hasn't been able to really do that over the first three games. Tonight, it was Kendrick Nunn who struggled a little early and picked it up as the game went on. But this is fascinating to me. Kendrick Nunn ended up with 17 points on 18 field goal attempts. Tonight, Tyler Hero had 29 points on nine field goal attempts and was fouled on three threes, 16 free throw attempts for a rookie guard. I'd like to see the last. I don't think Dwayne got 16 free throw attempts his entire rookie season. Tyler Hero tonight, most points for a rookie for the Miami Heat since Dwayne Wade in 2003-2004 season when Dwayne had 32. And when I asked, and when I, I excuse me, when when Tyler was asked about it, his response was pretty simple: it "Was like that's cool, but I'm no Dwayne Wade." Yeah, it's obvious. And you know, the fact that he got 16 free throw attempts tonight is pretty ridiculous. I don't think that's something that's going to hold up, obviously. But the fact that he is able to draw contact on so many of these drives tells me that he's starting to figure out how to manipulate these defenses who have adjusted to him, right? And obviously, the, the biggest difference maker in Tyler's play is Jimmy Butler, right? He's been de- decisively better every time that he's played alongside Jimmy. But as I was uh, alluding to just now, the fact that, you know, they're playing up on him, right? They, the defense is adjusted to him, and he's adjusting to that now. We're starting to see that he's getting, you know, he's figuring things out on the fly, right? And I think they said that there was only four other guys who had drawn three three-point fouls in one game. And also, you mentioned that it's the most points that he scored that a rookie has scored since Wade. It's also the most that a rookie has ever scored off the bench. He surpassed Beasley by one point. Shout out Michael Beasley. But yeah, just the fact that Tyler Hero, he looks great coming off the bench, right? He doesn't have to guard starting wings. Not that the Hawks are, have these scary wings that will destroy Tyler Hero, but coming off the bench is definitely takes him off. Uh, some of that defensive pressure off of him. He doesn't have to do so much playmaking because because he's next to Dragic. And then also, they stagger and they get Jimmy out there playing with Hero and it just, everything works so well at that point. They have so many options. Well, we've talked about the idea of staggering uh, Butler and Winslow in the same way that, and they're not LeBron and Wade, but it's similar to what uh, Spolster would do with LeBron and Wade, where he would use one of them with bench units. Now, offensively, I think we all believe that Dragic and Hero were going to be really good together. 50 points tonight is a little ridiculous. I mean, in 58 combined minutes, we knew they were going to be good. Now, defensively, there are some issues there. And, you know, we've talked about the defense, and 
there's, I mean, look, there is a disparity between the really good offensive players on this team, excuse me, the really good defense players on this team and the really not so good defense players on this team. Whereas offensively, some guys are better than others. Dragic and Butler and Nunn are better offensive players than some of the others that they have on this team. But def- but it's not as you know it's not as diverse in terms of having really really good offensive players and then not um, defensively there's there's uh, there's a big difference and I mean I don't want to say what the five guys who aren't as good defensively have in common but we can pretty much figure that out <laughs> but, but that's going to be an issue going forward is the Dragic uh, hero combination defensively it doesn't matter though if they score fifty between them. See, and that's something that I also uh, spoke about on the 305 Live before the game was that we're going to see w- with Dion out, right, we're going to see these lineups off the bench with Goran, Tyler Hero, and Kelly Olynyk, right? They're, that's how they're going to get their offense going. But because of that, they're going to have to have two-plus defenders alongside those three guys to mitigate the defense because the offense is better than we thought, right? But I think their main thing is still going to be being able to beat teams up defensively. And you can't have those three guys out there without two other positive defenders. Like tonight, we saw them out there, Dragic, Olenek, and Hero with uh, Justice and Bam and other lineups. I think we saw them with Jimmy and Chris Silva, if I remember correctly. And I think that's how it's going to have to be. But they've got a lot of options right now, man. Yeah, no, they do. And Dragic playing the way he's playing makes the game so much easier. We got to talk, talk about Dragic because uh, this doesn't have to be another point, but he went 7 of 12 tonight, 5 of 9 from 3. He looks so comfortable shooting off the dribble threes now. He absolutely did not have that part of his game to the level that he has now when he first came here, right? Because he can't do any of the things in the paint that he used to. He can't really blow by guys without getting some type of screener, you know, uh, turning a corner or something like that. And him off the bench is just perfect, man. I'm so glad that Spo did the right thing. And well, so, the well, so glad that he accepted it. I mean, that that's, again, the big difference between him and Dion, and, that, and that's why, you know, Goran's a six-man-of-the-year candidate and Dion's going to be shipped out because Goran accepted it. But Goran told me, you know, it, it, up at training camp in West Palm, he said, you know, the biggest thing for him, he, he could be a spot-up shooter, but what he's really learned how to do is shoot the ball off the off the dribble, shoot the three off the dribble. He's a plus three-point shooter now. I mean, there's no question about it. I mean, five of nine is outrageous, and they all look comfortable. They look in rhythm. For Almost him. all of them were, like, shots that he created himself. He was going to it over and over and over again. Just every time that the, the defender would sag off a little bit, he would just pull up right in their face. And you could tell that it's something that he drilled over and over again in the summer. It's great to see the progress and how he's adjusted to you know, some of the decline in athleticism that he was depending on beforehand. Well, that's going to look, that's going to extend his career probably three years and it's probably going to be here in Miami. We'll get to some other points here on this episode. want to get to the overall offense, also the rotation and some things related to that. But first I want to tell you about another great sponsor of the five reasons sports network. That's a Seltzer Mayberg law firm. Go to this show is sponsored by better help. What's the first thing you do. If you had an extra hour in your day, go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami heat game. I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime 
for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. OneCallLegal.com, OneCallLegal.com. They've got someone there 24 hours a day to help you. They handle cases from all over the state and all kinds of cases, but they do specialize in traffic cases. I've sent a bunch of people over there already. They will take care of your case for $49.95 or up, but you want to get it thrown out, trust me. And I got mine thrown out. You know, you deal with a situation you don't feel is really your fault, they'll make sure that you're taken care of. So go to OneCallLegal.com. That's OneCallLegal.com. We'll be back in a second. We're actually going to switch sites here, so maybe a little bit more noise coming forward, uh, but we'll handle the rotation, the offense, and some more. We come back. All right, back here on the 5 on the 4 podcast here in American Airlines Arena, still breaking this place down. Heat aren't going to be here again until Sunday when they play against the Houston Rockets at 6 o'clock after that titanic battle at the stadium between Adam Gase's Jets and the Miami Dolphins. So probably a little bit of a better contest down here. Let's get to point number three today. Do you, yes. do you call it Titanic because they're both sinking ships? Yes, basically. Although the difference is Adam Gase is trying. Uh, well, Brian Flores is trying too, but uh, we know what the Dolphins are doing. But let's get to point number three. And, and you had a question of Eric Spolster after the game that actually surprised him a little bit. So I give you credit for that. He talked about all the analytics that are thrown in front of him, but he did not know what you presented to him that coming into this game, the Miami Heat were number three in, oh, excuse me, number one in pace. Now, as the game ends, they're now number three in pace. This is a team that's played really slow under Eric Spolstra. Historically, I always ask this question, is this sustainable and is it something that they want? I do think some of this is just, you know, early season, small sample size noise. But I did find it a little bit surprising that Spo didn't know that they ranked among the upper echelon in the league in pace because of what you said. It's just it's such a contrast between years past where they've been in the bottom 10 every single year in pace. And just in general, this has been like the entire offense has been a contrast between years past because they're number two in true shooting. I think they're number five or six effective field goal percentage right now. And the offensive rating is in the top half of the league. So we thought that this was going to be a team that was going to be significantly better on defense than offense. And so far, they have been very good on defense. But I've been pleasantly surprised with how this has turned out so far regarding the pace. Yeah, and it's been variable on offense. The different scorers, but also different ball handlers. They don't seem to have any issue. Like, we talk about Justice Winslow as the point guard. But a lot of the possessions, he's not initiating. It, it's it, Sometimes it's Dragic. Oftentimes, it's none. 
we know it's going to be Butler, and it was him him some. This is why, and we'll talk about Waiters later. I just don't see a role for Deion Waiters because I just think they have enough initiators in the offense right now. Obviously, Dragic just quite a bit of it, but they don't seem to care who's initiating, but they do seem to all want to push, and I've always talked about this, and Eric Spolstra's talked about this. NBA players say they want to push the ball, until they get a chance to push the ball and then they don't want to anymore. And now what's funny is like the one guy who has talked recently about how he really doesn't want to push it as much as Goran Dragic, who was always put trying to push it. But when they had certain lineups on the floor today where they've got five runners because Bam Adebayo wants to run in transition, wants to push the pace in transition. We saw Jimmy do it. Goran is kind of the master of the hit ahead pass. Hero had a hit ahead pass today. None wants to get out and run. So, and Silva wants to get out and run. So are you talking about six, seven guys on this team that want to run? I think you can do that with a deep team because you're not going to run out of gas then. But one of the things that has come up, not so much in transition, but in the half court, Alex, is turnovers. So if you were to say the one negative so far this season, statistically, it's their turnover rate. It is currently, as we're looking at it, worst in the NBA, right? The Knicks and Utah are right with them but they are worse than the NBA, 20.2% turnover rate, according to uh, the NBA's advanced stats site. How do they fix that, uh, again, when they don't have a traditional point guard? So, yeah, I was actually thinking about it as you were talking it through regarding the turnovers, and I think it does have a lot to do with the fact that they have so many guys who are playmakers and guys who are good ball handlers. Like like you talk about, they have a line about there with Jimmy and Bam and Justice and none. You know, they've got Harrow and Dragic. Uh, a lot of guys who are good at facilitating for others, good at, shot, at creating their own shot for the most part. And I think it's got a lot to do with that. And conversely, I think the fact that they've been so good at forcing turnovers has a lot to do with the pace as well. The fact that they've been getting out in transition. They got in transition a lot this game. And I think that's probably why it caught Spo off guard with the, with the high pace, just because he was probably just thinking about the half-court offense or maybe they're still playing at a pretty fast rate, but the transition is probably what's getting them to that number one pace. Well, I also think that the pace will come down a little bit the more they play through Jimmy. Because Jimmy does want to get out and run, but Jimmy's also can be a little bit like Dwayne in the half-court offense and will be somewhat more deliberate. And I think that will bring the pace down somewhat. Also, pace tends to go down somewhat during the season. You go on a long road trip, you don't want to run. You know, you got back-to-backs, you don't want to run. So some of this will change, but what we have seen so far is that they're willing to push it. Um, let's get to the next point here, our fourth thing today, the rotation. A couple of interesting changes today that, that, uh, that I took for this. Myers Leonard continues to start. And gave them some decent minutes tonight. He was a plus 13, which is not the best on the team. Bam was plus 27. Only had the one three-pointer, but did grab nine rebounds. I know it can be an adventure sometimes for him defensively, but I thought he did a really good job boxing out. I thought he did a good job setting screens. I think he's going to be the starter here for a little while. Kelly Olynyk was not great off the bench tonight, 0 of 5. We saw him have a really strong game against Milwaukee. Didn't happen tonight. I th- the one thing I took away from the rotation, other than obviously Dragic and Hero giving you 50 points off the bench as your backup backcourt, but Chris Silva took the DJJ minutes. Now, we saw Derek Jones Jr. in the locker room before the game. Uh, he has a groin injury, but he seemed to be moving fine. I don't think that's going to be a long-term thing. But you thought that Duncan Robinson would take the minutes tonight, especially he had probably his best pro game ever in Minnesota, but he only played a minute and a half. He just got in at the very end of the game. Chris Silva played 14 minutes tonight. It's almost like he's on a two-way. They want to use him while he's here. But we've thought James Johnson could be the guy to take those minutes. What did you think of Silva getting the minutes tonight? So I'm actually a fan of it because I think going with Myers or Kelly at the five leaves you susceptible to, you know, the other team 
killing you in the paint, right? And I think I've been harping on it the whole time that I just think Myers Leonard is a terrible defender, right? I, I, I do think he has value with the fact that he's a more consistent shooter than Kelly is, which is why I understand him starting. Again, he has a higher rebounding rate than Kelly. And again, he did a good job tonight with the rebounding. And also, the Heat ranked number nine in rebounds so far through four games. So I think that makes sense. I get why Spo is keeping him in the starting lineup. Also, you're shielding him with Justice, Bam, and Jimmy around him because he is absolutely the worst defender in the team. So having him next to those guys definitely helps. And But yeah, I do like Silva. I think he's definitely a nice, you know, back-end rotation player. And I think they're going to need his contributions. And, and I like that they're taking advantage of him while he's still here. But it's like, don't they have to clear up a, a roster spot to keep him on the to well, keep him on the roster long term? Well, eventually they're gonna have to look. They've only got 14 spots right now, and and to get under luxury tax, they're gonna have to do something. But a two for one trade could take care of that, and that gets to this. We've said James Johnson is gonna have a role when he comes back. James Johnson has now been away for the team for exactly a month. It's getting more and more mysterious, right? Dion Waiters like. I said this today, like, where is he going to play? Like, they, if you've already got four or five ball handlers, and once you see what their rotation looks like with Jimmy Butler back, so Jimmy played 31 minutes, none played 30 minutes, had a quiet 17. He took 18 shots tonight. He got it going a little bit later in the game. Justice played 30 minutes. Dragic played 30 minutes. Hero played 30 minutes. Basically, they had five guys, perimeters, play 30 minutes each. There's no place for Deion Waiters to play right now. Like, I, I, I think... All along, the way I view this now is that the Heat looked at this like Dion could make Eric's decisions harder if he conformed, and he didn't. And now at this point, there's nothing to do but keep him away from the team because I, I don't know where he fits, and he's not going to be happy sitting there on the bench. Yeah, it's tough. Like you said, uh, there's too many guys already playing that, like we talked about before, are, are good ball handlers. Uh, they're getting a lot of minutes. But to me... I still want to see him come back, man. I want to see him and JJ actually try to prove themselves and play into their roles because I do think they can serve a purpose. Whereas Dion, like I wouldn't mind him as the three in that bench lineup with Goran and Hero. Dion's not a not a bad defender, so you don't have to worry about that part. He doesn't have to do too much ball handling in that bench unit. I wouldn't mind seeing that, but yeah, like you said, I think it's going to be tough. He's going to have to play his way back. I think it's going to be a, very much an uphill climb for him. And as far as James Johnson goes. It's tougher to see. I mean, it's just as tough, I think, to see where his role is going to be, too. Because, like you said, they gave those minutes to Silva. They're going to need the shooting from Kelly and Myers. And then, you know, we're going to get Derrick Jones Jr. back at some point. It's going to be tough. But what I've come down to over the past couple of days is I think eventually, at some point, when everybody's back, it's going to be wholly based on matchups for Eric Spolstra. It's going to be, like, for example, I was talking about it on Twitter. If you play the Sixers one night, maybe you keep Myers in because you want to get Embiid out of the paint. You want Embiid covering out to the three-point line for Myers Leonard. Or if you have um, a rim attacking forward like Giannis or LeBron or, you know, name big forward here, James Johnson serves in that role. And it's going to be tough decisions. But again, this is a luxury for the Heat. And, you know, they're kind of built for a trade right now. Well, they're built for a trade, but the question is, what do you look at? Do you try to get Andre Iguodala down here? Do you look at a Robert Covington? As well as Minnesota's playing, he's probably not on the market right now. A Tony Snell. We've talked about Detroit. I mean, you, Tony, you're most, Snell, Tony Snell is the Pistons' best wing right now. Right. Well, they don't have any wings, right? So it's like they need a wing, but they can't really trade one. We'll we'll probably do a trade. You know, we'll do a bunch of trade sort of uh, machine episodes going forward. Uh, fifth thing here, we'll keep this one short because they're still breaking this thing down here, but. The schedule coming up. They're cleaning, uh, up the, they're cleaning up the court like uh, 
Bam was cleaning up Myers uh, Leonard's defensive mistake. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, all the boards are coming off. You, you're looking at uh, Atlanta in the next game and no Trey Young. That's pretty clear. I mean, I don't know how long he's going to be out. That's a game you've got to win um, in that building. It's not a tough building to win in. There's usually a lot of Heat fans, right? Uh, and then you come back here and you got Houston on Sunday, and that was a really compelling preseason game. You can have a four and one Heat team coming back here playing the Rockets, one of the better teams in the Western Conference. One of the things that I'm noticing every game, for some reason, I sit in 106 section, and every game on my left is a national NBA guy who I know. So one day it was Mark Stein. Next day was Howard Beck, who I worked with at Bleach Report. Today it was Bobby Marks. And I'm getting the exact same thing from all of them. They watch this team, and they're kind of like, wow, this team is better than we thought. And I think we're starting to get that sense from the national guys that what we've talked about here locally, which is that these, we know this organization. We know the smile that's been Eric's, on Eric Spolster's face. We know what it meant to get Hassan Whiteside out of here for a lot of people on this team. And we've talked about him as a potential three-seed, or at least I have. And now the national guys leave, and they're like, wow, Kendrick Nunn's good. Like, like Tyler Hero is for real. And I, I think that this is not going to be Miami's little secret for much longer. No, it's funny you say that because on the way over here, I was actually listening to the Woj pod with Ryan Russillo, and they actually briefly touched on the heat. And Woj is crediting Zach Lowe for saying, oh, Zach Lowe is the first person to tell me that they could be a top four seed, and I'm kind of seeing it now. I think people are starting to catch up now that they actually have a reason to watch the Heat. You know, they're nationally relevant again. And all of a sudden, they're, they're young and exciting and athletic. And it's like, whoa, everything just changed so quickly, right? Maybe, maybe they did just need Dion and JJ and Hassan out of there. <laughs> yeah, well, what was just crediting Zach because Woj never credits me for anything. But anyway, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna head the episode there. Uh, we'll have more episodes coming as the week goes on. Obviously, check out 5reasonsports.com. 305 live follow at tropical blanket at alpha 954 if you want at ethan j skull they posted a bunch of videos from jimmy butler tonight and from eric spolster so we'll talk to you soon Credit Card Bill.